Sure. <laughs> We're four teaching friends from across the country. Who've discovered that if you don't laugh, you cry and lose sight of your why. I'm Retta. I'm Deanne. I'm Tracy. And I'm Kathy. And we teach so hard. You know what's really hard? Oh, yeah. Dealing with classroom management. It's a toughie. Uh, especially I know. after vacation. Winter break. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Gird your loins and put on your armor. <laughs> Dealing with the same problems that you had before you when you left. So, is everybody all rested up and ready? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and ready to go back this week or next. Our jobs can be so difficult, especially when we return to work after a vacation. You would think that you'd be relaxed and the kids would be re- relaxed, but surprisingly, the same discipline issues that you left behind are still there when you return. How do you learn to manage your classroom? It's a toughie. <laughs> <laughs> Skills it such really as effective. Is. Yeah. Go ahead. Effective classroom management really are central to teaching and do require common sense and consistency as well as fairness and courage. And it takes time. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. It does take time. Definitely. <laughs> you know, I remember. Like, we're not. We're not lion tamers. <laughs> we're, we, we need to build a relationship. And if we had a relationship there, I mean, sometimes when you come back after break and, they, and the kids aren't acting, you know, in the right way, you can kind of kid them if you have the relationship there, mm-hmm. kind of kid them out of it back into, oh, yeah, this is this is how this is what we do here. Yeah. Kidding is a great way to, to deal with stuff as long as you do have a good relationship. Yeah, if you don't, then, you know, next thing you know, you're in a meeting about harassment or something. Yeah. <laughs> you hurt so-and-so's feelings. Yeah. <laughs> well, building that rapport, definitely, but also perfecting that teacher stare. <laughs> yeah, that never hurts. That's a good one. My dad taught that to me when I was a little girl. Your dad? It was the daddy stare. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> same thing, same thing. Well, one of the things that helped me as a brand new teacher, because I was an emergency credential teacher, meaning I had never even taken an education class, and then they gave me my own classroom. (laughs) Me too. That's exactly my path. Yes. (laughs) And so I think one of the best things you can do is get advice from a more veteran teacher, because I kind of came in so idealistic and, you know, I'm going to get them to intrinsically want to behave and blah, 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 blah. And meanwhile, my little first and second graders are running around screaming. And so this uh, retired teacher came in to help me. And as the kids were supposed to line up and they weren't lining up and I'm just standing there and, you know, starting to lose my cool, she whips out this package of Oreos from her purse and she starts <laughs> handing them to kids who were standing in line. And I got so self-righteous. I was like, oh, no, no, no. I want them to I want them to be able to do it without needing a reward. And she looked at me and said, 
Um, that can come later, but for right now, you need to get them in line and wanting to line up. You're not going to always give them Oreos, but you need to at least right. now get their attention. And boy, she had them in line within a matter of minutes. And I thought, wow. okay, that's that's a tried and true uh, strategy, I guess. You know, <laughs> one I did not want to use, but boy, did it work. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Is Tracy here? I'm here. I'm here. I'm listening. Oh, okay. good. <laughs> yeah. you, know you know what? That reminds me of that Skittles activity or M&Ms or whatever you use the, the first day of school. It used to be the toilet paper activity. But oh, it, it yes. sort of trains them to wait their turn to speak. And then when it's their turn to have something to say. Exactly. You know? And, and I oh, Oreos. Gosh, I want to go back and try that. That's a good thing. Oh, I know. I, you should have seen me. I was so shocked. She just started whipping them out and handing them out. And boy, were they quiet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and sometimes I think there's a difference between the types of classroom management we do. So when she did that, that was really needed. And that's reactive management. Yes, it was. But what we want to do is get to a place where we have proactive management. And, and, and that's the part that's hard. I remember like, I remember listening to teachers in the lounge before I ever had a student teacher talk about the student teachers they had. And they were talking about, you know, with itness. Do you remember that term? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. With itness and who didn't. Our district right? overused that term. Oh they did. Goodness. But, you know, I, I, I think there's something to it because I, you know, when you're a new teacher being thrown into a classroom, it's like being thrown into a shark tank. But, you know, pardon the metaphor, but. You know, are you when you're thrown into a shark tank, you have to think right then and there, what are you going to do? Are you someone who's going to tread water and have your legs chewed off? (laughs) Or are you going to employ some strategies to save yourself? Yeah, it's like that expectation as a new teacher. How many times have you heard this in a job interview? I need someone who can hit the ground running. Yes. Yeah, and that's the witness. And and then there's the whole controversy over can with itness be taught, right? And I, I do think that there are strategies and um, skills that you get, like what Kathy said, that was reactive management, but she had to get there so that she could put the proactive in place. Right. Um, right. There, there are things and that can be most, taught. The most valuable mm-hmm. thing she could teach you, and I hope she did teach you, was how to scaffold that and start withdrawing the Oreos. Right, right. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> I like to call it. I like to call it Pavla, Pavlovian Pavlovian classroom management. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, their mouths will water when you give them the quiet signal. Right. But the Oreo yeah. will be needed. Their mouths start watering, or you just hold up one Oreo for a while. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's a visual. So classroom management is one of the biggest challenges that teachers face. So how does one set up an effective classroom and student management system? How do you, as, as Retta said, you know, an interviewer said, how do you hit the ground running? And if you're, you know, coming back to your classroom in January, you got to hit the ground running. How do you do it? Lots of coffee. (laughs) I think, you 
know, one of the things that I think about is that it's important that you are clear in your own mind about what your expectations are. Yes. And your students have to be clear. Yes. Yes. Well, they can't be if you are not. Yes. And so you, Mm -hmm. you, you've got to be able to show and tell your students what you expect. And sometimes in January with certain classes, not all classes need this, but sometimes they do. You need to go back to that. Looks like sounds like chart yes. that you did. Oh, yes. no, September. no one will be hurt by a little review in January. No, no one will. No, it's important. Really exactly. Is. And if you use mm-hmm. some kind of PBIS system or, you know, something like I, I use something called leadership loot, you know, or you've got some kind of um, kind of in surprise incentive that you're doing, you know, flooding, flooding the network with that, you know, the first week or so back to to reinforce the, the desired behavior and then pull back that those Oreos again, so to speak. Yeah. And once you, once you've started de Oreoizing uh, and you get what you want, it's so important not to go overboard in your praise. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, going back to the, that's just what we do here idea. You respond in a very natural way as if, of course you expected that behavior all along and, Uh um, and then move on. Don't make a whole big deal about right. it. It's the no, class like norm. Nothing. It should be the class norm, not something that they have to get mm-hmm. praised for all the time. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, and so many times, you know, teachers, I think, are told that, you know, don't say anything negative to the kid, but if the kid doesn't do something right, you need to, in, in the right way, you know, yes. not to hurt their feelings, but let them know. Yeah. Well, you don't okay. need to bully them, but you do need to set yeah. those boundaries. Yes. Exactly. So they know expectations. And then there's... Yeah, there's something from way in the beginning of my career too, um, something called kid watching. And f- for my master's degree, we actually even had um, a course in this, in just kid watching, which is just uh, observing. You really need to practice it. You must be able to observe all of your students at all times to monitor everything that's going on, but not look like you're doing it. You got to make it look easy. And that's not something that's natural. You know, they say, oh, teachers have eyes in the back of their heads. Well, we don't, but we need to make it look like we do. Right. And make it look like, you know, we could do it backwards and in heels. Which is why I love the classroom has to be set up for that. Yeah. 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 I think too that the the proactivity is is really key because we don't want to be in the Oreo situation as as little as possible. We want to be in that situation, <laughs> and I'm not picking on you, Kathy. I just think it's a great way to think about it. No, it's <laughs> absolutely. I, I, believe me, I've thought about it for 32 years now. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I mean, when you think about transitions. Uh, and I see this a lot with newer teachers, you know, so for example, you want kids to move in the classroom and you want them to go into groups or you want them to, you, you know, you're transitioning and you, and you, you, you say to the child or to the group, okay, let's go to the carpet. Right. And then you get That's a stampede. A stampede yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and, and enter, enter music. I always had music for transitions. I can't but, tell you for how many years. But one of the things about being proactive is it's something as simple as, okay, let's have the Coronado group join us back on the carpet. Okay, let's have the the um, Cortez group join us back on the carpet. Explore you know, calling the one group by yeah. one group. Yeah. To yes. call them back by group, you make something, a transition that could be or, a nightmare. Or, or simply play, play some soft music that they recognize 
as their transition and they'll move to the beat, you know. Yes, and, I and, use music transitions well, too, so I don't even have to yeah. talk. Um, I would play calming music for tests. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, so the proactivity, it can be huge. And so when you give a quiet signal, don't give the quiet signal and then not give wait time. Right. right? Yes. Yeah. Right. I've seen that a lot too. The teacher gives a quiet signal and then keeps talking and can't understand why the kids haven't gotten quiet. Um, yeah. Just have you ever observed a student teacher doing that? Yeah, yeah. that's exactly when, you're, yeah. when you don't practice these things and you're new to them. That's what happens. You give your quiet signal and you're standing there chatting away and your hand is in the air. And of course, they're still chatting. You are. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Tracy, when you mentioned the student stampede to the rug, that reminded me of, you know, I used to have student mailboxes for when, you know, you get things from the office to send home or you put the homework in it. And I used to have one of those stacking ones, but it was all in one stacking mailbox thing. And Mm -hmm. with 35 kids, that's a lot of waste of time. So, yeah. 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 So now I have two separate areas with each half the class has like a hanging file folder in. So just Mm -hmm. for they separate, right? So there's only half the kids getting it at the same time. Or even like our book bags, we have hanging on the coat racks, but I have two coat racks and they're in two yeah. separate areas of the room just to avoid the rush and all of the um, unnecessary stampeding. So I think just... So so careful planning and mapping out your yes, classroom. Yes, definitely. I usually have my classroom in two rows, like U-shaped, and I have... I would have the kids in the first row turn their desks around to face the kids in the back row when we would work in groups uh-huh. and kids would have jobs to get, you know, whoever was going to get the materials. So it would be one person from each group. And so, so it was a lot, a lot easier to do it and a lot less noisy and right. chaotic. And that, you know, I think and all again, these things comes with experience. Yes. Um, so when we do work with new teachers, this is something I always do mention to them because those are things probably, yeah. you know, you wouldn't have thought about. Well, and I think too, like even as seasoned teachers, sometimes the reflective, you know, I, again, take a step back when I've had a rough day with my students for whatever reason, whatever's happened. And it's the minute I take a step back and I look at my management, my classroom management procedures, what I did or didn't do. A lot of the times I can point to a couple of things that I've let slack, you know, and I mean, I don't have my kids under my thumb. I don't mean that kind of slack. I mean, like, you know, my pedagogical practice has slacked and they're responding. I've created something. Um, and so something is as simple as like sitting back and going, you know what? I haven't used the system I put in place. So, of course, I'm having a rough day here. <laughs> yeah, it's like you've just moved the target. If the kids don't have a clear target anymore, you right. changed it. You haven't told them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely impacts your day. Have some extra coffee. So how does one set expectations and communicate them effectively for all your activities in your classroom? That can be really hard to do. Um, and, you know, there's whole books written about this. But but let's chat about that for a little bit. How, how do we set those expectations? I think one really important thing is don't develop rules that you're unwilling or unable to reinforce mm, or yes. to enforce. Like a parent. You know. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. And I think also, yeah, a small number of general rules that emphasize appropriate behavior might be helpful, and they should be posted in the classroom. And I think students should be right. part of those rules. Yes. They should yes. be part yes. of those development. Yeah. And I also and the like fewer the, the better. fewer the better, and yes. also written positively, not negatively. So mm-hmm. instead of don't yell, don't, right? It's, <laughs> yes. It's speak in a, you know, in a quiet tone or speak in a, speak a program. Yes. Like, Inside classroom voices. On my, on my anchor chart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That might get me in trouble. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I like to, I like to start with the simple, we used to call it the three rule school. Take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of this place. Mm-hmm. And then, just like with good goal setting, you break down into some bullet points. What does it mean to take care of yourself? Mm-hmm. You know, to stay safe in the classroom, to be responsible, you know, with your work. What does it mean to take care of each other, to show respect to other kids and wait your turn when you're talking? And what does it mean to take care of this place? Don't throw your stuff all over the floor and just walk out, you know. And and you could have the kids set up the bullet points with you and keep that on your anchor chest. Yes. We've done that. Good idea. I was going to say, we've done that, you know, we've done that, especially at the beginning of the year, but then we take those rules and we take those, basically what comes down to are those values, right? And turn it into a class Uh mission statement. And that we have posted Mm -hmm. up in the classroom. So instead of rules being posted, like I used to do, we do a class mission statement, which kind of incorporates, incorporates the values we want for our class. So our classroom, I the love people, that. all of that. I love that idea. I think it's mm-hmm. important to keep your promises to, you know, so much of classroom management is mm. built on relationship. It, well, almost all of it is built on relationship and trust. Right. And so that means that when you make a promise to a student, that you keep that promise if it's a positive consequence or a negative consequence. So many times mm-hmm. I think sometimes we get into this um, pattern of threat do you yes. know what I mean? I'm going to, yes. I, yes. Do I need to call your parent? I'm going to call your parent. You know, and that's not keeping your promise. <laughs> yeah, because your you're promise, right. right. If, if you do A, B, and C, I need to make it. a phone call home. And instead of threatening it, do it, right? Yes. It's action, right. it's talk. In the same token, mm-hmm. also, if you promise to see and, and when you do it, make it a sandwich, say something positive, then say it, then say something else positive. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. But the point, yeah, but but to keep those promises, follow good through. and bad, yep, that you through. make positive and negative to, right. to students, that's part of being consistent. And they're going to trust you so that then there are times when you say, you know what, do you want to have lunch with me? You don't cancel that lunch date. You know, unless you're dying, <laughs> you keep that. You, you and then you explain room. to them why, you know. Yeah. yeah. If you have to. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And I think some of the stuff that we said um, before, kind of just bring it up again, but um, <clears throat> desirable behavior may vary depending on the, on the activity. So right. you need clear expectations. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Because sometimes they don't need and to they, be And they should yeah. know that. Yes. Right, exactly. They should know if there's some chatting time coming up when it's okay and even part of the assignment to do a discussion. Mm-hmm. Especially so, when they're working in groups. Yes. 
So what are some strategies that you use to deal with inappropriate student behavior? Because this all sounds great, but we all know there's the kid who's going to push the buttons no matter what you do. So how do you cope with that? Just like um, I think... Uh, Deanne, you were saying, you know, being able to see all kids at all times <laughs> and you know which ones are, you know, have harder time with self-control and things. So I almost kind of not anticipate that they'll act out, but I'm a lot more hyper aware of certain students who mm-hmm. might need a little more encouragement or just need my proximity. I tend to get, you know, walk closer to a student or make that eye contact. Yeah. Certain kids, we've come up with a signal you know, where I might like tap on my chin or something just to remind them um, that we've, but nothing Mm -hmm. that ever humiliates or calls out attention to the child. Um, You know, we usually have some kind of signal. I had a student last year where I would just walk by his desk and just kind of place my hand on the corner of his desk. And he knew as soon as I was coming close, even before I got there half the time, he would stop what he was doing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, oh no, here she comes again. Very effective. I've said that too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think also even putting the student's name in the lesson at that point, Mm -hmm. not calling them out. I'd like to just like, if you're, if you're doing a math problem and you've got the name of a person, insert that name, it gets them quiet and attentive every time. Mm -hmm. It's, it's almost, you know, like you're important to this lesson. You're part of it. Yeah. We need your input. Yeah. Yeah. I also sometimes, um, you know, will put a kid's desk near mine, you know, so that has something to do with it too, the placement so you can better see the kid and they can see you and, you know, you keep them kind of away from kids that they're going to cause problems with. Right. Right. A lot of times kids who um, are repeat offenders, you know, who, who really are struggling with, with self-monitoring, um, to, to have an honest conversation with them about what you see. And what's going on mm. inside them, because sometimes there's more to the story. Um, and then I sometimes will use a target sheet that, as a self-monitoring tool with them. Um, that's that's something where they're checking in with themselves. Um, sometimes it's a couple times in the morning, a couple times in the afternoon, depending on what the need is of the student. But it's a checkpoint where the student is doing some self-reflecting. Okay, how did I just do in math class? Okay, how did I do, right? Because they don't have that self-regulating skill yet. They're still trying to develop it. So having a tool. So you help them to build it. Yeah. A tool like that helps them refocus. Yes. And you're holding them accountable saying that you are able to make these changes. I know you can. And I think that makes them feel good too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And as you said, taking them aside and talking to them and finding out what's going on, because a lot of times things are going on that you have no idea and that's causing them to act out. Yes. So if we had to, to like look back over everything we've talked about today, ladies, what's your number one tip for dealing with discipline issues in your classroom? Um, what do you do? How do you, what's your number one tip you want to leave people with today? Well, I um, work with a worked with a partner, and we came up with three strikes and you're out. If you talk to a kid once, you know that's fine. Twice, 
it's okay too. But by the third time, you know, that's really enough. So you're going to get a consequence for your action. And it might be staying after school with us, you know, have to write write something. Um, if it's gotten really bad, you may have to talk to a parent or even have the kid with you and tell the parent what they did wrong. And that was really pretty effective for us. I, I think developing that relationship, keep I keep coming back to that because it's so important to me and I've seen magic work with it, mm -hmm. that um, if the kid knows that you care, you know what their situation is, and they know what your expectations are, you can communicate with a look, a touch on the shoulder, um, just moving closer as, as Kathy talked about before. Um, there are so many things that you can do that are nonverbal that will reach that child. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, to me, that's always the first right? thing. I, I totally agree with you, Rada. That's, yeah, yeah, I was going to say the rapport building. Because if your kids know how much you care about them, there doesn't seem to be that many behavior issues because um, they know that you're firm. But also, Tracy, like you were saying, the follow-through, you know, they know that I care about them, but mm -hmm. they also know these are my standards and this is how our classroom behaves. And if not... You know, these are the consequences. So they do know I follow through with things too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For me, I think that um, I, I kind of, I don't think I've talked about it yet, but it's really important to me that um, I separate the child from the behavior yes, and that the child hears me separate the child from the behavior because so many of our kids who really struggle with their behavior and acting appropriately you know, have a really negative uh, cognition about themselves, a really negative belief about themselves for a variety of reasons. So when, as part of that relationship building, when you can communicate that you still love them to pieces, but what they did isn't okay, right. it, it can yeah. be a huge shift right. for them. Huge shift. Well, especially right. because by the yeah. time- It's what you did. It's Right. And by the time that our kids get to us in upper grades- you know, they've often been labeled already, or they just, they do feel bad about themselves because people, teachers have yelled at them year after year after year. So. And you know, you know, shame never did anything good no, for anyone. No. Ever. I mean, no. we know. And you know what else? Some, something I, I tried recently, um, I volunteer in a couple of classes. And um, in one of the classes, there was a kid who was acting out and wasn't paying any attention to the actual teacher. And I was kind of behind the teacher and it was just the shock value. I think I blew him a kiss. <laughs> and he looked so shocked. And yet I got a smile that could have lit up the mm -hmm. room and, and he stopped because mm -hmm. he was, you know, the shock value just did it. It's like, Nobody yelled at him. Nobody pulled him outside the group or anything. I just blew him a kiss. Yeah. I don't know. It's just an idea. Try, try, try it sometime. You might, you might surprise yeah. him. Absolutely. Shock them yes. into good behavior. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> management is shocking. Well, that's all we have time for this week. Um, please be sure to check in with us. Subscribe to our podcast. Check out our blogs in the, our program notes. We look forward to hearing and, and um, talking with you every week. Next week, we're going to be talking about bum, 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 teacher observation time. We've all met, we've all suffered. Let's talk dirt about it. Until next time, have a great week. Mm -hmm.